frequently fielding calls from multi-state operators trying to gobble up as many licenses as they can throughout the country and now we're getting calls more so on the on the sell side and I don't know if that's a, as a result of COVID I think it probably is and could be related to a cash flow issue but I anticipate seeing a lot of cannabis businesses trying to liquidate assets Well, we have a really interesting cannabis and corona episode in store for you today. We're fortunate to be joined by attorneys Laura Bianchi and Justin Brandt from Bianchi and Brandt. Laura and Justin, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Happy to be here. (laughs) The thing I love about cannabis is the pace of business. Major changes are happening so frequently, and it's, they create like these ripples of opportunity for the businesses and the entrepreneurs. And, and now when you couple the industry's already insane evolution with the COVID crisis, it makes the pace of play just too fast for attorneys that don't specialize in cannabis. And Bianchi and Brandt is an Arizona-based law firm that specializes in cannabis, which explains probably why your roster is like the who's who in the cannabis industry. But what's so great about having you on here is that having that roster gives you like a real-time insight into COVID-induced trends or opportunities. And that's, you know, really where I want to take today's conversation is what you guys are seeing. And, you know, I guess, Laura, being in Arizona, uh, you know, your state's been a medical state for a while and you tried to get it, adult use laws passed a few times. They just never could quite get it across the finish line. How does it look this year? You know, I, I, we think it looks very good. And I'll be honest, whether it's, it's Arizona or any other state, I've never seen a state that passes it the first time around. And I think it's really just an, an evolution of the industry and the community and people getting comfortable. You know, we passed, obviously, the medical in 2010. And it's really evolved into a pretty impressive regulated program. And so I think that has allowed people to see that all those horrible things that were going to happen, like our kids have not gone to hell in a handbag. They haven't all become potheads and heroin addicts and they haven't gone that way. And so people start to look at it as like, oh, okay, this isn't so scary. And they look at it much more as a business. And so once that starts to happen, then it makes the adult use initiatives, they're much less scary, right? It's just another business opportunity. And so I really do think that, that Arizona as a state has finally come to that place. Of course, we had a little bit of delays and everybody's always a little anxious because of COVID and because social distancing, you can't be out and around people. And so that presents its own set of challenges. Mm-hmm. However, across the board, the support has been has been very widespread. And I think there is certainly a very, very good chance that it will pass this time around. Man, that would be so great. It would be so great. It's, the economic impact of this crisis is really crippling a lot of states. And I, and I know they're going to be in need of some revenue. You know, you don't want to sound tone deaf right now, but... Just to be pragmatic for a second, this crisis like this is kind of like a forest fire. And there's going to be a lot of massive devastation, but eventually there's going to be some massive opportunity. Laura, you're heavily involved in cannabis mergers and acquisitions. Do you think that M&A will be the next big cannabis opportunity? 
Oh, absolutely. I, I think it's just, you know, it, it's an evolution. And, and this certainly, I think, caused some diversions that we didn't expect or anticipate. But I think we were already seeing some changes in M&A in the industry, which are not necessarily bad, right? As a new industry, there's this excitement and there was what everybody called the green rush. And there was this blow up that, you know, I would call a lot of the valuations very much unicorns and puppies. They were not based on much, right? It was based on if you wanted to get into the industry or if you wanted to get out. So we had already seen a little bit of a chilling effect in some of these and valuations coming to a more reasonable place, and especially as the industry itself continues to evolve and become more sophisticated and you get more traditional business people in and, and different, you know, different opportunities. So I, I think we'd already been going in that way. COVID certainly, you know, sharpened the, the blow a bit in that people are not as anxious to release a lot of money or a lot of cash. People tend to hoard, you know, in times of crisis, but we have definitely seen that. But, you know, on the flip side, I think sometimes that can also lead to a little bit better, smarter, more realistic business, which, which is, is a good thing for the industry and our long-term success. We, we don't want to be a bubble. We want to be here right. for the long haul. So, like I said, maybe a little bit more of a cliff than we thought, but I certainly still, there's a lot of opportunities out there and now no one has anywhere to go. So we have plenty of time to do our due diligence. A lot of companies that were sort of just surviving, they're not being able to survive right now, but they'd be more receptive to an opportunity of a merger or being acquired by a more successful group. That was really where I was going with that question. Do you think that that's going to be something where there's actual mergers taking place? So mergers, but I'll also tell you, there's a lot of individuals from other industries that are interested in investing in the cannabis space. So there are different opportunities depending on the operators and their needs, right? There are absolutely mergers with groups that you say, look, they're bigger, they're better, they have more capital for operations. Those are opportunities. But there's also, you know, guys coming from the VC market and the real estate market or just some of the, you know, older groups that have said, hey, we're interested in cannabis. Let's put our money there for a little bit and see how we can do. So those opportunities come in as joint ventures and partnerships and things like that as well, which I think adds, you know, a little bit more, even more so with credibility and sophistication to the industry. So definitely different opportunities, but I think more opportunities. Oh, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I, you know, I think of an M&A as a process. It's, it's not something that just happens. It's a process. Right. And I, I find that a lot of companies don't approach it that way. They just are like, well, hey, somebody just called us. They want to buy it. We're going to close it by next week. It's 19 million. No big deal, right? Great. Done. Okay. <laughs> Monday. Well, I know. And it, it, I think that's why, and Justin, I was going to throw this one your way, but there's steps that companies can take to prepare in advance and should take. Just give an, listeners an idea of some of the things that you should be doing if you want to create an M&A strategy for your company. So I guess it depends a lot on if you're on the buy or the sell side. We were frequently fielding calls from multi-state operators trying to gobble up as many licenses as they can throughout the country. Now we're getting calls more so on the sell side these big multi-state operators that have kind of gobbled up a lot of these licenses over the past couple of years don't necessarily have the cash flow to get those licenses operational. So we're starting to see them just trying to unload them. I see. You guys are kind of finding yourself in a position as almost like a broker. and That's interesting. Totally. A part of that, and I don't say this is a yay us, but you know, when we got into this industry, so many of our clients really, you know, we have stayed with them through the years. So we know the ins and outs, we know the complications, we know the hurdles, we know what they've overcome, we know their needs. And so it does place us uniquely in a place where 
we can say, hey, this person called or this client has this need. And, and we actually think this client would be a great fit for that. Let's so make an introduction, you know, and we have to be cautious, of course, as lawyers, but we are really committed to expanding and developing this industry. If we can help make good matches. We love doing that because, again, that really just advances not only our clients, but the industry as a whole. You're having more sophisticated parties, which means more due diligence and actually taking the steps and, and going through a through due diligence process. The days of just acquiring licenses and assets related to the cannabis industry and closing in 10, 15 days are pretty much gone, I'd say, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a good thing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, this it's kind of the, just the Wild West stage of the industry is kind of coming to a close right now. But if somebody you know, wants to sell their business or wants to acquire a license or, you know, that's a good place to start. I mean, even to reach out to you guys and see what connections you can make on their behalf. Probably didn't go to law school thinking right. that that's when it was going to happen, but it makes sense. There's been lots of evolution since law school that we did not anticipate <laughs> <laughs> in the least, but it's all been very good, <laughs> but most certainly it is. Yeah, this is good stuff. I'll have all of your contact information in the show notes and we'll also have it on at mjbulls.com. And I, I think we're going to have to have you guys on again because there's so much stuff that we didn't get a chance to talk about today that I really want to dive into. So let's just plan to have you on again. Sure, we would love that. Absolutely. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.